Town Hall Academy, number 45. We, we talk about having a really great customer entrance, customer waiting room, et cetera, for all the pluses. One of the pluses that we often forget, it repels bad customers. When you're talking about alligator bad customers, one of the best things you can do is put a fantastic, pricey, beautiful entrance and waiting area because they won't, they won't even ask the question. They'll wander in and wander right back out. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, automotive aftermarket professionals, to the Town Hall Academy, episode 45, with a very interesting discussion on installing customers' parts. Carm Capriato here, thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for their support of the Town Hall Academy. You know, a family keeps their vehicle an average of 11 years. Where's the first place to turn when the drivetrain fails? Why Jasper Engines and Transmissions, of course, for your customers. Next, drivetrain solution. Hey, joining me for this Academy on Installing Customers Parts is Tom Hamm from Autocentric and Automotive Management Network in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Rick White, business coach from 180Biz, and Randy Luzik from Midas in Kalkaska, Michigan. Hey, today's podcast has a sister video. If you want to see the discussion in action and see our pretty faces, you can find it at remarkableresults.biz slash A045. The audio podcast is also there, and a link to all the podcasts my guests have been featured on in the past. You also get a compilation of the key talking points. Yes, yes, your own cliff notes for the episode. Hey, I've added an events page on the website. It's under resources. Now there, find links to local, regional, and national training events for business owners and technicians. Talk about a powerful resource. The Remarkable Results Radio website has every episode cataloged in so many ways that you can find a special area of interest just to suit your level of curiosity and your focus. This is your automotive aftermarket audio bookstore. Hey, take a listen. Now, as is most certain with Academy discussions, this forum goes beyond just the topic at hand. A great many thoughts and ideas to ponder as you decide your position on this engaging subject. You know, e-com parts from Amazon and eBay are growing at double-digit rates, and with a flood of self-diagnosis and part availability, installing customers' parts can be an important decision you need to make. Now, enjoy Tom Hamm from Autocentric and Automotive Management Network in Grand Rapids, Rick White, business coach from 180Biz, and Randy Luzik from Midas in Kalkaska, Michigan, in another great Academy lesson. I want to start out by saying that this panel's perspective is meant to excite a dialogue, not to necessarily say, this is exactly how it should be done. I guess why there is so much talk is because there's so much part availability out there for people to buy because they've been told through YouTube that that's what, what's wrong with their car. So they go out and buy it. And now they've got these parts. What do they do with it? Amazon, $5 billion worth of parts, 20% growth rate in the parts category. eBay, 4 to $5 billion in parts sales. And the industry is growing at 3%. So there is some share being taken. And there are going to be parts in people's hands saying, now, what do I do with this? So we want to talk about 
this portion of the public, the consuming public, that looks at our service profession almost as a commodity. If not, we wouldn't be talking about this. I want to start with Randy. Randy, my first question to you is about a meeting you recently had, and your parts supplier got in front of you and said, hey, will you guys install our parts? And what happened? So, so we had a meeting with about twenty or so shop owners, and they were they were their their service center cream, um, and and I and I think they wanted to introduce a concept and measure the feedback, and and I think they did a great job with it, um, but the bottom line was for all but a couple of us in the room, it was a lead balloon. Um, I think there were people that were insulted that they would even suggest it because it's coming from. So many different directions already, um, and and I don't think anybody really wanted to embrace it, um, which left me thinking that there there that I needed to put some more thought into this. Um, I had found out in that meeting about Amazon Home Services, um, and I signed up because I want to keep track of those guys. Um, I had worked on a um, project about a year and a half ago where Amazon was looking at producing a point of sale system for shops that actually queried their Amazon parts listings. And so, so those guys have my respect in the sense that they, they are the big guys, they're the gorillas, and, and I want to keep an eye on them. But, but I would tell you that the, the reaction in the room was less than probably what they wanted. They, I think my parts supplier was looking to try to get ahead of the situation with the online suppliers, the Rock Autos, the Amazons, and you know how do we do that? We know that more and more vehicles are becoming more and more complex. We know these folks can't really install them correctly. We know we have warranty exposure because people are installing the parts incorrectly. And so how do we create a partnership with our existing service centers that can work and and we supply the parts directly to the customer and they have us do the installs? We're in an incredible time in our industry and uh, the disruptors that are out there are really making change. And uh, some of them continue to push so hard at what they do and to continue to get venture capital. You know, albeit Amazon's over here and somehow they print money, I guess, right? And there's nothing that they can't do. And, and everyone said they couldn't be in music and they couldn't be in food. And they uh, and just let me throw one more disruptor out just for the heck of it, CVS buying Aetna. And if that isn't a disruptor in our whole world of healthcare and, you know, how we deal with drugs, um, wait, wait, wait till it all happens. And there's now doctor clinics inside of CVSs and how all that prescription stuff takes place and changes and be in is competitive. So I, I can't say that we're just sitting here saying, woe is us. There's all this stuff going on in the room. Industries are changing because business models are getting reinvented. And maybe what was going on in your supplier room, Randy, was someone trying to look to the future by looking to their customer and wondering, wondering what it may look like. Where do they fit? I told them thank you. I mean, I actually appreciated the fact that they had the courage to broach the subject. Um, you know, regardless of its popularity, if there's money in it, somebody's going to look to get between us and the consumer. And and it's, it's we can all just bury our head in the sand, but at the end of the day, somebody's coming. That's a great point, by the way. Okay, so we're going to install parts on customers' cars. Someone walks in. Tom, have you ever found that installing customers' parts a source to find yourself a great future customer? Personally, in 40 years, no. Your odds of finding a good customer that way are uh, slim to none. 
there's there's always going to be exceptions, rare exceptions, but uh, we I can't say we've ever generated a great customer that way by starting with somebody bringing their own parts in. It's just a, it's not a good foundation for a relationship. Have you ever done it though? Uh, can I ask you that question? Oh, we've done it in the past, and that's part of the reason we don't do it now. It's just a terrible idea. There's easily 10 or 20 or 30 reasons why not to, and not one reason to do it. Uh, Not a good reason that uh, anybody's ever posed to me. Let's tear apart some of those reasons here in a little bit. Uh, Rick, why are more people looking to buy parts online now than ever before? Well, first of all, I think we can agree as a panel that It's not our existing customers, our great customers that are looking for parts online. It's these new customers, people that are coming in for the first time. And we got to understand, at least I do, um, where that's coming from. It's coming from a place of fear on their part. They're afraid of being taken advantage of. They're afraid of not understanding what's going on. So they go to YouTube, they go to Google and and those kind of things. So that's part of it. The other thing is there's a lot of, it's a lot easier to find these things out than it used to be. You know, the transparency, you know, for years, we've been very, very happy. I mean, transparency has changed the auto industry and how they sell a car today. Uh, no longer is the front of the store and a, a dealership, the moneymaker, it's now fixed stops. So, you know, now it's coming to us and we have to adapt to that. We have to be able to either explain it or come up with a plan that makes sense that, you know, helps the customer at, at the, and at the same time uh, protects the uh, the shop. A plan that makes sense. Where are you going with that? I, I, you know, I'm one of those guys where I have a personal opinion on this. I don't believe shops should install customer supplied parts. I think they're a headache that are just beyond, it isn't worth it. What's at risk? Oh my gosh. Uh, your reputation's at risk. Uh, you know, the quality of the part comes in and it's not, you know, it's not there. I mean, before we started the broadcast, I showed the, uh, and I got this idea from Randy, um, you know, there's a, a Baron that you can buy uh, from Napa that's 150 bucks, but I can go to Amazon and buy two of those Barons. So I have a left and a right. So both wheels are going to fall off at the same time um, for 70 bucks. So, you know, the reality is you put one of those parts on, you don't know with a customer, you're letting go of the quality because you're not sourcing the part. The other thing that happens is with reputation is they get this preconceived notion of what's going on. They get a part to deal with that. You put the part in. If that wasn't the cause of their concern, you now own it. Now you're having to deal with the diagnosis. It's called, it's called an anchor bias. It's where somebody takes the first piece of information they get, they give that more weight than anything else. Um, that's why we have sticker prices on cars and everything else. I use anchoring all the time with my grandson. It's time to go to bed. It's 8.30 your bedtime tonight. Well, how about quarter of nine? How about quarter past eight? It starts where we, we negotiate. So, you know, the fact is these are real issues. Beyond that, um, you got safety. You could literally be putting somebody at risk. They buy injectors for 20 bucks at eBay, on eBay and you're putting them in the car. I mean, there's got to be some liability in there. You know, guys, you got uh, Tom and and Randy. You know, you were a former shop owner, Rick. Now, you know, you're you're a coach and a consultant. Uh, let me ask you the question. Rick showed us this screen before we opened up, and I saw prices from 119 to 159, and then I saw 2 for 75. 
<laughs> um, Tom, when you when you use the logic of your 40 years in business and you look at that, would you buy that and say they're okay, they're safe, they're, is, the, is it the right thing? Consumers may just jump on it, but what about you? Oh, not a chance. Okay. There, no way you'd buy that. And I, I think and just we'll get some varying opinions in here just for fun. We'll argue with Rick or whatever. Uh, but I, see, I think if you're getting more than the occasional request for that, you have a problem with your business. Mm-hmm. You have right. a symptom. It's, it's, it's what's called feedback. If you read uh, uh, Trump's book, uh, uh, The Midas Touch, everything is feedback. And this is feedback, too. You either are marketing your business to attract these people or you're in the wrong location. Uh, and sometimes the best thing you can do to a business is move. Uh, either that or you need to totally uh, redesign your approach. What, what's making these people, and this is true of not just just do-it-yourself or parts, but any kind of situation, any kind of alligator bad customer that we talk about, why are we attracting them? Now, you always got to ask, why did they come in here? Something attracted them to come in there, and you got to get rid of that. And uh, one of the classes we used to do is called Customers Worth Having. And people need to focus on customers worth having and, and, and people who are not your target customer, let them go somewhere else. They're, they're not your target. They're never going to be profitable. They're never going to do you any good. They're, what they're going to do is they're going to help you write bad policies for your business based on some losers that will affect all your good customers. So there, there's just endless places you can go with this on, on why not to do it. Randy, same thing. Would you buy those two for 75 bucks? Well, not only would I not buy them, I've, even if I was willing to install the customer supply parts, I wouldn't install those parts because because we, we already know that th- those babies are coming back. They're probably bad the moment I put them on, ABS light on, whatever it is. So there's no future in that whatsoever. You know, yeah. but but we're thinking on our feet at the front counter. You know, we're we're finding out what these things are. That that information from Rick actually came from an Amazon call. We're we're an installer for Amazon Home Services. We've yet to ever do anything for them. But a customer called and said, I've got two bearings I bought from Amazon for 80 bucks for my 2010 Chrysler Town and & Country. And is the 180 you've got listed on, on Amazon the price to install one or two? And when we found out it was the price to install one and it was double that to install two, that ended the conversation. So wait a minute. They never bought them? They were just finding out if they buy them and they come to you? Correct. Got Correct. It. Yeah, they, they were finding out about the installation before they made the purchase. But did you tell them I won't install them just because they're uh, they're they're not they don't seem to be at the standard that I would be expecting to pay for that bearing? I didn't take the call, so I can't answer that. I didn't All take right, the call. Good plausible deniability. That's called by the. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Capriato here with Ron Haugen of Westside Auto Pros. Ron, are Jasper product improvements important when deciding to buy your next engine or transmission? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Not only important for me, because I know that I'm going to put a product in a vehicle that's going to last, but they're important for my customer. Uh, My customer's already got an engine that's failed, maybe because a component was under-engineered, and Jasper's gone in and found that and fixed that. And if somebody's committing to the kind of investment to put an engine in their vehicle, they're going to want the best one they can get. Hey, Ron, what could you tell me about Jasper's customer service? Jasper's customer service is above and beyond pretty much any of the vendors' customer service that we use. There's been times that I've often thought we we need to hire 
whoever trains Jasper's staff to come train my staff. I mean, from, from the initial phone call to if there's a warranty problem, a question, a, a technical issue, uh, they answer the phone and you're immediately talking to the person that can help you. Hey, Ron, thanks for your insights on Jasper. Thanks for asking. You know, one of the things that I see that's an issue, and Tom, to your point, I think we're an industry that has trained our customers that we compete on price and not value or benefits. And because a shop doesn't understand the value that they bring to the table, when when you you become a commodity and the only way you can differentiate is price, that's a race to the bottom. You can't win. Um, and I think one of the best ways to deal with this, I don't think that every person calling asking if I'll install a part is necessarily a bad customer. They have a fear and it's my job on that counter to see if I can alleviate or lessen that fear. And the way to do that is, Mr. Customer, is it the price or is it the cost that you're concerned about? And what that does is it allows me to focus, change the focus of the conversation from the price, the one-time event, to the value, the lifetime event that they get. And that's when I can start to build in the value, the benefits that we bring to the table. And if it's a customer worth having, that's going to do it. We have got to do so, uh, so much better job at our service counters. And to my panel, when you've seen the service advisor training go on inside your business, do you see a lot of these issues go away? Oh, absolutely. Uh, getting getting uh, professional training for your service advisors is one of the best investments you can make. Absolutely. There's a, there's a number of folks out there, of course, Rick's here, who, who can do that and, and give them the word tracks, et cetera, to say uh, the answers to these things. And they just, they just make these things, these, these issues go away. They move the focus somewhere else. If it's a good potential customer, the customer does end up in the shop and the rest of them go away. But there, there's lots of things we can do. Uh, service advisors are certainly one. Uh, Another one is uh, a lot of shops nowadays, we've done it for years, we sell uh, services. Uh, so a front brake repair is $449. That's what it says on the invoice. There's no parts prices. There's no labor prices. There's no times. There's no parts numbers. It's a front brake service, and it mentions what parts are included, the pads and the rotors and the hardware and so on. But we get away from the parts price. That'll eliminate a whole lot of the price issue right there, that one simple thing. The problem that people run into is often their software won't do it. But a lot of the softwares will do it, and uh, it's worth for ha having people uh, call their software supplier and finding out, how can I do this on my invoice? Well, you got to be careful, though, because some states require that broken out. But I think one of the biggest things, Tom, to your point, WordTracks, is instead of telling someone it's parts and labor, you tell them it's out the door. To take care of this brake service your out the door price is right or your out the door investment. That's even better, right? You don't want to say cost. You always say investment because the vehicle is an asset. They're either maintaining the value or increasing it. So it's always investment. Uh, but I think Carm stepping back before we do training, there's got to be a decision. The owner has to decide once and for all, either to get on this side of the fence or this side of the fence and then train their people on that answer. Right. Like I did a webinar about it. And one of the first things I said is, look, if you're going to install a customer supplied part, the first thing I want you to do is smile. 
Because what we do is, you know, I see shop owners, they make the decision to install the part, but then they're mad at the customer for doing it. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Right? It's like, look, guy, if you're going to make, yeah, if you're going to make the decision, look, I'll put your part in, but I am going to punish you the whole time. <laughs> you know, and that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make a customer at all. If we're going to decide to put the part in, smile and make it a, a pleasant experience, but have a plan in place that keeps you whole as a shop if you're going to do it. And, you know, the fact is, even after we have this great discussion, there are going to be shops out there that feel like they either have to or they really want to install customer-supplied parts. And, and that, that's why we're independent business people. But have a plan that protects the shop, keeps you profitable, and is clear to the customer. So I think the first thing is a decision and then training on whichever way you go. And, and, I, and I'll just throw in that both – I agree completely with both Tom and Rick. The challenge, your original question was, if we do service advisor training, does it make a difference? And it absolutely does. But Tom's point earlier, this is kind of a rare occurrence. It is for our shop. I mean, this is not something that even happens every month. So it's not something we get training on over and over again because we don't actually get the the request that often. There are probably other shops, to Tom's point, that probably do. Um, and so I think that it's still, even, even with, um, Rick's process and training, I think there's still a chance that if we go three months without hearing the question, we're still not going to answer it as smoothly as we'd like to see it answer, but certainly we've got to have the process and the training. Just briefly, one of the best word tracks that we found, uh, is just, we used to do that, uh, Things have changed with the culture and climate and things have moved ahead. Today, with insurance, warranty, liability, we just can't do it anymore. Uh, We'd like to do it for you. We used to be able to, but we can't do it today. Now, we can certainly take care of your car and let me know what's going on with it. And uh, we'll we'll get you a good value. You know, so let's let's take the conversation over there. Is it our job to protect people from themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we have to understand there's this another bias. It's called the curse of knowledge. And the curse of knowledge states that if I understand a certain subject, then unconsciously, I expect everybody that I come in contact with to have that same level of understanding. The reality is customers are going to make a decision on only two reasons. Well, actually three. First is trust. If they don't trust you, they're not going to buy. But then after that, when you're presenting something to your customer, they're only using two criteria. And that's time. Do I want to take the time to do it now? And do I want to spend that money now? Time and money are the only two criteria customers use to make purchase decisions in auto repair. So it's up to us as a professional not to just present our recommendations, but to understand what the customer wants as a goal for their vehicle and then assert ourselves as an advisor to help them get there. We have to guide them through the process. Yeah, well stated. Yeah, and you know, I think when you were on the podcast with me, you talked a lot about insights, didn't you? I might have. And and if it wasn't you, it was someone else, but that's what just came to my mind, Rick, and it was it was like our customer if if they're treating us like a commodity, they don't value what we do. Maybe it's because we're not really sharing with them enough insights of the complexity of the automotive, of the, of, the, of the automobile, what it takes to do the repair, the investments that you have. You know, if someone comes to you for a cash transaction or does, does someone come to you for a place, a, a home where you, you, you make me safe and reliable? The biggest thing that I see is shop owners don't, don't understand the value that they bring. When, a, when I'm helping a shop with marketing, 
what I, the first question I asked them, Carm, uh, is, hey, Carm, why would I, as a prospective customer, drive by three other repair shops to come do business with you? And nine times out of 10, the answer is, I don't know. And when they don't know, how can we ever expect our customers, you know, our customers aren't going to figure out our value. We have to be able to tell them our value. We have to be able to shit spotlight our value, you know, and, and Bill Hill here uh, said counterfeit parts, which is huge today, right? I recently saw a shop that wanted to save some money. They bought some plugs and they were NKG plugs. <laughs> There's a there's a little problem with think the, the order of those yeah. letters. Think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's really out there, and and we do have to protect our customers. And you know something, we want to keep them safe. And part of keeping them safe sometimes is, you know, stopping them from doing something that will do them harm. It ever happened to you when when you say no, Randy? What does the what does the customer say? No to whether we'll install their parts or not. Yeah. You know, I would tell you that I think that it contributes to the idea that there's something not right from the consumer's perspective. There's something not right about the fact that because they found the part cheaper and the answer is no, if, if, the, if the motivation for the consumer is lower price and they found the part cheaper than what, you're, than what you would sell it for, then I think that there's always going to leave if we if we just leave it at no. And I think there's all kinds of valid points we can use. There's always going to be something in the back of their mind saying something's not right about this. That that's that's where I would like to make sure we're doing our job at the front counter, educating the customer about the value that we provide, and and if we need to get down to what the reasons are for the fact that we don't do it. And if we even if we did do it it really doesn't save you much money at all. Because really, at the end of the day, our price for customer installed parts, if we believe in our pricing, it's really the actual, whatever our normal total everyday job for the out the door price for the job is with parts and warranty, less our cost of the parts. That's the price. That's the customer installed price, right? Because that's the pricing structure we built. So if we don't, if, if we don't believe in it ourselves, then, then how can we possibly expect a customer to have any put any value in what we're saying? You know, I think there's an I think it's an industry issue. I don't think as an as an industry or as owners, we've put enough thought into this to realize 1.25 times labor or 1.5 times labor is a meaningless number in my mind. I mean, the number is the total price of the job minus the cost of the part. That's all of the normal gross profit dollars that we would have. And so I'm, I'm always struggling with, with all the different ways people that do install customer supplied parts, why we have so many different ways of doing it when the reality of it is if we have confidence in our pricing and we want to be fair to all of our customers, our full service customers, and if you do customer supplied parts, your self-service customers, the price they pay should be the same. If there's a difference, it's a little tiny bit because they're assuming warranty exposure, assuming you're that shop that wants to install it. Right. And Carm, I think if we address or meet our, that, that potential customer at the price level, in other words, they're asking about saving money in the price. If we as a service provider meet, go out and meet them at the price level and answer that question, we're doing them a huge disservice because we've got to understand as an industry that it is not a price issue. It is a trust and fear issue. 
And if we can address, if we can engage them and on that level and build a relationship based on, look, here's what, this is what you think you need, but this is really the issue. Let's talk about it and let's get you feeling good about us working with you. It's going to make a huge difference. In, in a couple of the uh, the Facebook, uh, in fact, uh, shop owners uh, uh, group in Facebook, uh, I, I published the show uh, for today and there was a lot of banter below it. And Bruce Barry said, hey, listen, um, he got ruled against by a judge. The judge stated that if you installed the parts of your customers, then you expect, accept full responsibility yes. of them. But if it fails, it's my responsibility based on my warranty. I ate the parts and labors. Yes. Um, a letter, uh, Phil Odom said, we say no every time. We discard the freeloaders and convert the real customers. No liabilities, no worries of our garage keeper policy, not backing us for not keeping proper custody chain in repairs. Everyone wins. Freeloaders get referred to a knuckle dragger shop via whoever they bought their parts from. Yeah, the, the whole concept, it, 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 in a way... In a way, it's silly that we even have the discussion in the first place. And what I mean by that is just that the whole idea is insane if you really boil it down. You know, if, if you have a if you if you want to build a new home or you want to build a new business and and you call a, a known contractor in your town and tell him that you you'll, you're going to go on the internet and get all the materials and have him put it together, how's that going to go? If you if you go to uh, if you go to your doctor, or hospital, some kind of medical situation, you know we all talk about how much they charge for Tylenol in the hospital. So ask them if you can bring your own medications. Ask them if you can bring your own dressings. Will it save on your bill? Or ultimately, ultimately, Aunt Mabel dies, and you call the local funeral home, tell them you found a great deal on a used casket on Craigslist, and Amazon had a deal on a sale on embalming fluid, and, and would they take care of Aunt Mabel? And of course, we, we think that's insane, but that's what we do. Why should we do it? Yeah, you get your roof done and you say to the guy, listen, I got a pallet of shingles out in the driveway. Would you put them on for me? Right. And when you do find, now you'll find that somebody will say, oh, yeah, well, they do that in our area. I did find somebody to put the roof on. Yeah, but that wasn't the top tier business. That was somebody starting out, somebody struggling, maybe somebody going broke, maybe a guy doing it on the side. This was not a full-blown professional business that did that. But but if we think about that, that's our industry, right? I mean, I'm I because I came up in an incredibly small market. I've learned that I don't try I don't try to make those decisions for other owners anymore. If if you're a guy that wants to install customer supplied parts, there's there's people in my county. Fifty percent of our service bays are, are garage or home garages. That's fifty percent of our service base. Those guys are happy to sell the part for whatever the auto parts sell it for, charge 60 bucks in labor an hour and, and call it a day. Personally, their model may be better than mine. It's probably more profitable. So for me to say that that's, that's a backwards way of doing it, it is for me as a professional. And do they make my job harder? They absolutely do. But I'm struggling saying that because I finally reached after 40 years like you, Tom, a point in my career where I don't need to do anything. I can install customer parts, not install customer parts, go to work, not go to work, whatever it is. But for me to say that to a guy that's five years in or 10 years in, and I remember what that was like and barely surviving, but, but he's a guy that can, he can, he can make it, he can do it, he can be a part of this, this industry and be a, a positive part of this industry. I'm not going to tell him 
at this point in my career because this is the way I feel. It's the way you have to feel. I, I've made that mistake in my career following folks that tell me this works the same everywhere and this is the way it needs to be and nothing else. So, so I'm a little bit the other way. And, 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 and it, to me, I, I don't really care if you install customer supplied parts or not. I just want you to do it the right way. I want you to make money and I want you to educate the customer and I want you to minimize your, your, your responsibility and liability. You know, two things that come to mind is, is, is a guy can be six months into his business and, and just because he hasn't been around for 30 years and doesn't have a $2 million shop, he can still display and present the same style of professionalism. He, he may not be as big and fancy, but he can still come off at that professional level. So, I think that's one thing to put in there. And then as far as, uh, as far as these people out here doing it, you know, because uh, that, that's enough to uh, get a six pack and watch Wheel of Fortune at the end of the day is all the gross profit they're looking for or net profit. Uh, you know, they serve a place. Uh, in a sense, you say, well, they make my job, job harder. Well, they also make it easier because these, the, the, the bad uh, customers, that we're talking about that would bring their own parts. Now they have a place to go and they'll leave us alone. Mm -hmm. uh, Randy and I were, were chatting uh, earlier this morning while we were testing our internet connections and th that kind of came up and I had this wildly profound idea as to what happens to the bottom third of our industry. And instead of, you know, basically I came up with the term where they're just going to be the parts installers for the, you know, for the e-commerce world. And, and I think you're absolutely right, Tom. Um, I just, I love what all of you guys are saying. And, and I want to chime in one more thing, one more thing I want to talk about insurance. Um, so one of our, um, one of the people in social networking sent a letter to their insurance carrier, really wanting to truly define their their liability and it's it's a very short paragraph and this is from the insurance company we wouldn't be comfortable with this exposure and would look to non-renew or ask you to move the account if the insured allowed customers to bring their own parts this is the insurance company to the agent okay uh, because the the insured asked this question we wouldn't have control of the part where it came from and how it was manufactured it could be a used salvaged part and if a loss were to occur from the failure of the part instead of how it was installed, our insured might be held liable still because we won't be able to find the origin of the part or it would be harder to subrogate. It just increases the product's liability exposure, causing it to become unacceptable. How many times do we hear this stuff happening? Hardly at all. I mean, there's a few cases that we've heard about, but it just seems like uh, peace of mind. Is that, is that what this is? Is this uh, don't want to do it, don't want the liability, it's peace of mind. But yet, if, if that's a growing uh, area of our business? Well, if you look at it from an insurance company's perspective, there's a chain. And if I buy a part from Napa and I install that part, let's say it's a, a Moog, you know, wheel bearing and that wheel bearing fails, the wheel comes off and, you know, God forbid somebody gets hurt, right? The insurance company, my insurance company is going to be a lot more comfortable with that situation because they can share the liability with Napa and Moog, right? When I install a customer supplied part from the insurance company's perspective, they're the only one with the pockets right now because they don't know if they're going to have somebody else that they can share the liability with. I have a client in North Carolina that this morning I was talking to him 
he got a memorandum read to him by his insurance agent that stated they are changing as of the next renewal with the insurance policy. They are changing it so that they are not allowed that if they install a customer supplied part, you can do it if you want, but you will not have insurance on it. So, I mean, that this is real stuff. And, and again, it's because, you know, PT Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute, right? And there are people out there buying the $70 pair of wheel bearings. And, and we as professionals understand that that is not only a bad purchase, it is potentially putting their entire family at, at risk from a health and safety perspective. Sure. So, you know, for us to just put it on and not know where that part came from, I think is a huge disservice. And I, the other thing is people say, well, I want to put no warranty on my invoice. You got to understand that under UCC law, there's two warranties that every shop in this, in every state in this country is subject to. It's the uh, warranty of fitness, which means that when we put that part on, it's going to do what it's supposed to. And there's a, a warranty of merchantability, which means that there's a fair exchange of money. The customer is going to get what they paid for. And that's in every state of the union. So you can put this disclaimer on, but you go to court and you're going to lose. So you've just got to be aware of that. So that's my two cents. So a couple couple things that, that I'll just throw in. One of the things in the letter term was use parts which probably, Tom, you on occasion might install a used part? Yes, sir. Okay, same thing here. If Tom and I both sent letters to our insurance company and said, we install used parts, what do you think about that? In all honesty, I think I would get a letter very similar to one that you've gotten because insurance companies' goal is to minimize their exposure. Um, so, I, so I don't know that that completely weighs in um, any differently. And and, and if, that, if your letter is accurate, used parts are just as bad as parts that we don't know the origin of, you know, so do we need to stop installing those as well? But the only, the only comment I'd make there, and I'm sure you've had this occur in your bay is the insurance adjuster shows up and says, we can do this job cheaper. <laughs> the, we're the insurance company. We're going to buy <laughs> used parts and send them to you, Randy. So, so I, I, that I think is a little different, but you know. I love how you look at things, Tom. <laughs> but has that not happened to you, Randy? Oh, absolutely. No, all right, oh, okay. you're, oh, you bet. <laughs> and they'll occasionally want to send me the parts exactly of, of unknown origin to me exactly right we had so many fabulous talking points i think we got to the essence of what we wanted to talk about today and i guess here's here's a parting thought or or a comment to uh, to get your opinions this isn't going away i mean the e the, the the 10 billion dollars of part sales that are going on with amazon and ebay yeah some of it's going to the professional side i get that uh, but there's still an awful lot of diagnostics being done and people buying their own parts and, and wanting them installed it's not going away so i guess guys is it the the choice of the shop owner to 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 uh, to either either forward into this, stay with it, say no to it, and and, and pick pick a place. Well, I think the liability thing that uh, Rick just brought up. So you're going to install a customer supplied part and risk your entire business. I mean, we really don't know don't need to go any further. That's the end of the discussion right there. Why should anybody ever install them for that one reason right there? And and I'm going to agree with Tom that if if indeed there is 
no, if, if your insurance company has taken a stand, keeping in mind, it's because you ask that they took the stand, <laughs> but keeping in mind that they took a stand, if, if you can't be covered on that part, then you, there's no way that you can do it. I mean, it, no, no, nobody that has any investment in their, in their facility, in their business, for sure. Anybody ever hear the crazy stories that would happen? It was the wrong part or it had to come back for a warranty and then they had to go out and find another one. Have anyone heard the horror stories uh, that that go with that? I've lived it. Oh, absolutely. I've sure. lived it. I had sure. a guy I had a guy with a Thunderbird buy a used transmission because he didn't want to spend the money on a remand uh, rebuilding his, which is what one of the things I used to do. And I explained to him that we would put it in, but if it didn't work, we got paid to pull it out again. And, but it took three used transmissions before we got one that worked. And his bill was more expensive than if he had gone for the rebuilt transmission. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, and it's a terrible place to be put into, but it it is what it is. These are some of the things that, you know, OPE is other people's experiences. And I'm hoping that some of the younger guys that are watching this podcast or maybe listening to it later are going to sit there and say, you know, here's some guys that are either got gray hair or they don't have a whole lot left. And, (laughs) and, you know, maybe, maybe I should just listen a little bit and learn from their mistakes instead of making the same ones over and over again. Yeah, it's wonderful that you bring that up because we, we have that discussion, especially us old guys that sit around and, you know, it's kind of like we, we didn't have the resources today that shop owners have with all this exchange of information. We were out there on our own. So we were out there on our own for 20, 30 years just doing a crappy job because we didn't know any better. <laughs> and, and now people start today and they can immediately tune into this stuff like this right. and, and, and find out. And, and like you said, you know, don't learn on your own. Just, we already made the mistakes. I mean, take, take that and, and, and make the most out of it and, and go spend your money on something worthwhile. Right. You know, you get one guy, he tells you, and he's a dumbass. but when you get three or four guys telling you the same thing, you know, there's, you got to start to stop and listen. <laughs> well, and, and I'll just say to Tom's point, there's some satisfaction. If someone can learn from something that cost me, it's like Absolutely. makes me feel better because there was some additional benefit that happened Amen. because maybe it really stung me. Right. Yep. Amen. Absolutely. I tell, I tell people all the time, my coaching doesn't come from success. It comes from a closet full of teachers <laughs> that say, been there, done that. So. Yeah. Keep them hidden, keep them yeah. hidden, but learn from them. Right. Oh yeah. Baby. Yes. Yeah. I understand. And by the way, no one has mentioned what this really is all about. It's wisdom. Bingo. And that's exactly what it is. You know, as someone told me, uh, hey, people are 55, 60 years old and lose their jobs. And says, you don't understand. Businesses today need wisdom around. There's a lot of young people that could wish they could tap into people who know what's around the next corner because they've been there. And it repeats. It's amazing how it repeats. It just keeps... <laughs> goes to different levels, but it repeats. So let's go around the room. Let me give each of you a chance to summarize what we're saying and then take a stand on the issue. (laughs) (laughs) I can do that. I can too. Um, So, so I think that if there was a message for shop owners, it's, it's no matter what you're going to do, get paid for what you're worth. Um, And, and actually put the numbers to it. I mean, it drives me crazy that in this industry, we, we do things 
off the cuff and we think, well, that that's enough. That that covers it. When the reality of it is, if we maybe if somebody showed us a little different way, we'd be going, I just gave that person a forty percent discount. So get paid for what you're worth, um, and and make sure that if you've got service advisors and other people on your front counter. Give them a process, give them the training so that when they get hit with it, it's consistent across your group. Tom, I'll let you go next. When the, when the occasion occurs, let the people know that you're more than happy to fix their car. We just The, the rules are going to be a little bit different, and we'll be happy to tell you why, be happy to explain it, but we'd be more than happy to fix your car, give you the best value possible. And just, just that isn't one of the options. We can give you a lot of options, but that just doesn't happen to be one of them. And one of the things we talk about requests, when we get requests for it, uh, I'm going to say 90% of them are on the email. And they are almost always first-time customers, which I believe uh, uh, came up before. Uh, what we've done with our shop, and you can go online, look at our website, and a lot of people are doing with their shops now, is we spent the money on the entrance, on the lobby, the customer area, the service advisor area. And when this type of customer, they do walk in from time to time. And often they don't even ask the question because they kind of look around and they go, they're not going to install this part. And just, oh, never mind, I walked in the wrong door and out they go. Uh, you can, uh, you know, we, we talk about having a really great customer entrance, customer waiting room, et cetera, for all the pluses. One of the pluses that we often forget, it repels bad customers. When you're talking about alligator bad customers, one of the best things you can do is put a fantastic, pricey, beautiful entrance and waiting area because they won't, they won't even ask the question. They'll wander in and wander right back out. Great, great yeah. point, Tom. Yeah, that, that's, that's it. How do you repel it? I love it. And smile, right? You have to smile, right? That's right. Well, you don't have to answer their question. The question's never asked. The fire never starts. It is never asked. Wow. Cool. Prevention. Prevention. An ounce of prevention. <laughs> Rick. Well, I think I, three things that I would really like to get across and make sure is, number one, is understand that when someone's coming to you with a price and a part, it's not, they do want to save money, but it's really from a trust and fear issue. The second thing is, as an owner, I need to get clear about the benefits that I offer as a business that my customers can take advantage of doing business with me and being clear on that so I can get the customer off of price and onto cost because that's where I want to talk to a customer. I want to engage a customer on the cost end of it, the value, the benefit. And then the last thing is, the reality here is it's transparency. There is more transparency in our industry than there ever has been before, and I think we can sit there and fight it if we want, but I, I believe that we need to embrace it. And I think that as an industry, I know I've touched on this in my podcast as well, is I believe we're going to, as an industry over the next three to five years, be changing how we price things. And I think if we, you know, if we sell a part at or near cost and move the profit from the part to all labor, it's still going to be the same price going out the door, but it's going to take the whole Rock Auto, Amazon, everything out of it. Here's the price of the part that I sold you. It's 10 over cost. It's still the same price, but now all my profits in labor. And I think that's coming. I think we're, we're going to end up having to uh, deal with that as more and more people become educated. Uh, the younger buyers, the older people aren't doing it as much, but millennials, they are looking at parts. 
And if I, you know, I can get it at Napa at this, well, that's what I'm selling it for. And now it's not, now it's a matter of, yeah, this is what we're going to charge you for our tech, our shop, our benefits, and it's all in labor. So I, I do believe that's coming. Uh, we, we took a really tough subject and we really exposed it. And we, we talked about, about a lot of things, a 360 degree view of, um, about installing customers' parts. So thank you guys so much. Tom Ham, Rick White, Randy Luzik. Appreciate you being on. Thanks for your, your contributions. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast until next time. 